Welcome to today's episode of the Purdue ASME American Society of Mechanical Engineers podcast, which aims to provide an outlet for not only Purdue students, but all students, learners, and aspiring professionals around the world to learn from experienced professionals in the field of engineering and beyond. I'm your co-host, Agathea Thurun, and joining me today is my fellow co-host, Liam Kaufman, who will introduce our guest today on our special episode. On today's episode, we are honored to be joined by Purdue University's President, Meng Chang. President Chang brings with him a wealth of experience. He holds a BS in electrical engineering and mathematics, as well as a PhD in electrical engineering from Stanford University. He has received numerous awards for his work in edge computing and wireless resource allocation and holds 25 patents. He has also founded three companies and has published several influential books. President Chang has also served as a diplomat and policymaker, being the science and technology advisor to the U.S. Secretary of State and a driving force behind tech dipl diplomacy programs. Join us now as we delve into an exciting world of technology, innovation, and Purdue initiatives with President Meng Chang. And of course, Mr. President, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, great to be here, and call me Meng, please. And Aggie Liam, thank you so much for inviting me to this episode of ASME uh, podcast series. Of course, we're extremely excited to have you on today. Um, kind of just getting the ball rolling. How has it been being president so far of the university? Oh, it's been great, Aggie. Uh, it's been a month and a few more days. Uh, I started the first day after lunch on January 1 to watch a women's basketball game. Uh, and we won that game uh, in Mackey. Uh, and every day has been just simply fantastic to get to serve all the Boilermakers. Sounds like a great start to the year. And um, how has your roles kind of differed since mm -hmm. you were the former dean of engineering, how, mm -hmm. what, is, what do you think is like the biggest change you've been encountering? Well, Aggie, you know, I've had the honor to serve uh, now in three different ways uh, this great university. Uh, first, as the dean of college of engineering, uh, and then as EVP for strategic initiatives, and now as president of the university. Well, as president, uh, not only you want to take care of one college, but also all the colleges and all the campuses and all the departments. Uh, so that's one a big difference. Another is that you get to see all kinds of uh, activities going on on campus, and you want to make sure that you engage with all the neighbors and partners throughout Indiana and throughout the country and the world. So about a year ago, we had uh, President Mitch Daniels mm -hmm. um, on the podcast. So one thing I heard is that before you actually were officially president, you worked alongside President Daniels. Yes, yes. So what was that... Um, what was that like, just working alongside? And I assume you learned a lot, too. So. Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you, Liam, now I look back and kind of uh, enjoyed and really liked those six months of transition month because uh, I was able to get paid without having to make any decisions. Uh, so, well, maybe not exactly that, because as EVP, I also made some decisions related to strategic initiatives. Uh, but look, those six months were very useful to ensure the smoothest transition. And I'm biased, but I think this might be the smoothest presidential transition uh, in recent memory of higher education in our country. Wow, that is very interesting because I know that, you know, between the two people, it has to be extremely smooth to kind of mm -hmm. be as flowing as possible. Um, could you talk a little bit more about what you think has been like the biggest mm -hmm. discrepancy between your platforms? Well, it's uh, first of all, all about continuity, uh, continuity uh, of the Daniels decade momentum. And uh, Mitch put... Purdue on an even further elevated trajectory and all the wonderful things that's been happening, we're going to keep that going. And furthermore, uh, every year, every day, the 
brings uh, new challenges, and you always have to listen, and you always want to uh, pivot as needed. Uh, and in that regard, you know, every day is a new day, and we're going to keep the spirit of listening to all the students and staff and faculty members, uh, to our partners and neighbors, uh, and making sure that uh, Purdue remains the very special place. So, I mean, taking a little bit of a step away from just being a president now, like, mm. I'm just personally blown away by, like, how much you've accomplished, like, beyond, like, mm. patents, companies, mm. research. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Well, and, like, you. just looking at that, it can be, like, almost overwhelming for, like, someone like myself. I'm like, oh, like, I want to do great things like that, but there's so much that you've done. Like, what uh, advice would you have for just, obviously, Purdue students that, like, want to be successful? Well, first like of all, you know, the most overwhelming thing one could ever expect is when you are young and there's limitless potential and opportunities. So I envy you, Liam, I envy you, Aggie, and OS, all the SME members uh, because you've got so much that uh, one cannot even imagine today. Uh, so pursue your dream, follow your, what you, well, it's sort of a cliche, but follow your heart, follow what you really would like to do and, uh, you know, don't compromise on quality. Uh, now, I've had the pleasure to have a lot of great teams to work with, uh, whether it is in academic and research pursuit in teaching or uh, it was in startup creation or serving our country in Washington, D.C. It's always not just about one person, but the teams that you get to work with is what I would call the who before the what, uh, whether that's uh, in uh, Washington, D.C., in Silicon Valley, or here in West Lafayette, Indiana. is always about the who before the what. Very well said. Kind of bouncing off of that, what do you think has been some of the biggest common mistakes that students have been making in the sense of trying to reach their goals and accomplishments? Well, I wouldn't say mistakes. I would just say, you know, every person may have a different answer, uh, be different dreams and aspiration. Uh, I do think that it's very useful to always reflect upon oneself and think that what I could have done different or better or more or less. Uh, and, you know, I have sort of a daily rhythm and routine. Uh, try to reflect upon the day a couple of times during the day. And I usually wake up in the morning by reading the best practice from peer institutions. We are trying to swim fast in our lane, but others are swimming fast, maybe even faster in their lanes as well. Let's learn from them. And then I usually spend half an hour most of the weekdays to make retention and recruiting phone calls to leading faculty recruits. It's because, again, it's about the who before the what. It's about the talents that we can attract and retain here. And then in the evenings, my wife and I will usually go through a list of border makers in distress, uh, students, faculty, and staff, and sometimes alumni who are in distress and what we can do to help them out, and maybe writing a card of uh, empathy or maybe sending a personal uh, gift uh, or maybe just calling them and visiting with them and to share our, uh, you know, uh, our best wish for their situations. Uh, but, you know, a daily rhythm like that uh, is always useful. Uh, we can always improve upon ourselves, uh, or as we would call it here, one brick higher, yeah, I'm sure like with so much going on that allows you to like put everything um, right in front of you. You know what you got to do. Um, how would you say your more technical background mm. and like a lot of the experience you have with like networks, mm -hmm. machine learning, like all those different types of things, like 
How does that give you a leg up being the president? Well, um, it probably doesn't exactly, because uh, the job of uh, ministers at a university is more about uh, rallying a vision and articulating a vision that everybody can relate to and people can identify uh, themselves in the hope for the institution. So it's not particularly related to any technical background. Now, as an engineer, the mindset of problem solving uh, and some of the language, mathematical language and otherwise, uh, that help you to uh, disambiguate problem statements, that might be useful. But then again, you know, many other fields of training would have derived that benefit uh, anyway. So I really don't think it's much about my own personal research and teaching technical background. Uh, it's much more about uh, the ability to uh, recruit and uh, motivate a great team to work together. And it's about identifying and articulating a vision and a hope that people can uh, understand and buy in and follow up with a strategy of execution. Yeah, that's great. And with that vision you were talking about, what do you kind of foresee in the upcoming years for Purdue? What do you have in store for us? Well, Purdue is very special in many ways. Uh, we uh, create and disseminate and deploy knowledge uh, at a scale with a quality and affordability that is second to none in the United States. You know, scale-wise, uh, 50,000 students here, uh, including the largest population of STEM students anywhere in the top research universities in our country. And quality, just look at the top-ranking departments and colleges, including uh, mechanical engineering, uh, but the whole engineering college, the whole agriculture college, many other schools and departments uh, ranked among the top three, top five, top ten in the U.S., uh, and affordability. The Board of Trustees just endorsed last Friday uh, at the trustees meeting uh, proposal to uh, have one more year of tuition freeze in FY24-25, as you know, we evaluate that tuition freeze on an annual basis, year after year. We look at the macroeconomic condition. We look at what it takes to reward uh, our own faculty and staff and what it would take to invest in the residential learning experience and then decide if there's still room to freeze tuition and fee. Uh, so uh, when you look at the scale, the quality and affordability, that combination here, it is second to none anywhere in the country. So I'd say just following up on that, um, before we wrap up our podcast, like you mentioned like Purdue being so highly ranked. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the reasons you think Purdue is so highly ranked in such a broad amount of fields? Uh, talents and the impact that they generate to their own fields and to society. Now, rankings are always noisy, partial, and biased. However, not all of the rankings are complete nonsense either. Uh, they do reflect to some degree a uh, particular facet of reality. And it's much more about ability to recruit talents, perhaps, than any particular ranking. Uh, and we're in a very competitive position in many areas. There's always room for improvement. Uh, as we just discussed, Aggie and Liam, that uh, another day, one brick higher. Uh, however, we have to also appreciate that we are pretty competitive in many, many areas. And as to why, Again, it's all coming back to talents, right? What is a university but a place where we uplift people's lives through education and opportunities? 
but a place where brilliant minds can meet and gather and pursue their own open inquiry. So uh, we are a place of the minds, and therefore the ability to attract the best minds in a wide range of fields, that is the key. And then uh, support them so that they can make a difference. It's the impact that these talents can make, either to the individual fields and disciplines or to society at large, uh, that brings eventually, as reflected in ranking, the kind of reputation that the Boilermakers are known for. That's a great answer. I had the honor of asking this question to President Daniels, mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask you the same one. Um, so some colleges have a lower acceptance rate to better distribute their resources. Mm. How is Purdue able to maintain such a prestigious education um, at a comparably higher acceptance rate? Are the resources not spreadly thin amongst all of our student body? Mm. Well, look, there's a trade-off here. Uh, there are places much larger than we are, uh, and there are places that uh, reject a lot more than we do. Uh, I think we're in a particularly relevant and fitting sweet spot that is relevant and fitting to our land-grant public institutions' DNA. Uh, In particular, excellence at scale. It is very difficult to achieve, maintain, and advance. To advance both excellence level as well as the scale. Now, the scale is going to plateau. We won't keep growing forever, uh, but getting not just bigger but better, that getting better, there is no limit to what that means. And excellence at scale means that we have to work much harder than perhaps than other places where by exclusivity and by rejecting many, uh, it becomes uh, not easy but an easier pathway towards ensuring excellence. But if you look at what we have been able to achieve as a place, uh, it is remarkable, Purdue as that prime example of excellence at scale in both learning and teaching and in research and innovation. And I'll just give you one more set of data uh, that uh, I'm sure a lot of the ASME uh, students and friends can appreciate. Ten years ago, there were 32,000 applicants to the undergraduate admissions at Purdue as a whole. And this ongoing admission cycles is approaching 72,000 students in one decade. A few thousand of those were because of the common app change years ago. But still, it's roughly a doubling, I would say, uh, are attributable to Purdue's reputation rise over the past 10 years, built upon the decades before then. So when you have roughly doubling the number of applicants for the similar number of seats. There are a few more seats now, but still not more than doubling. Uh, So you have to be, uh, by definition, rejecting many more. Uh, So we're we're never proud to say, hey, look at how many we reject. Mm -hmm. But it is a reality, as you said, there's limited resources. We have to ensure the highest quality, agile, and individualized learning experiences for all the Boilermakers on our campus, that residential learning experience. And therefore, uh, it is definitionally, by the numbers I just shared, that acceptance rate has been getting more and more selective every year. Uh, In fact, this year, I think the public data uh, will be released fairly soon. So it's not exact final numbers, but we're looking at about a 35%-ish acceptance rate total. Some disciplines, about 25%. Some disciplines are 15% acceptance rates. In fact, some are less than 10%. So now, 
when you think about some large departments and large schools hovering around a 15% acceptance rates out of well over 10,000 applicants to one particular major, uh, and were able to only take in uh, a very small slice of the this huge and growing pie of demand, uh, is a reflection of uh, how people, uh, in this case, uh, high school seniors and their parents think of us. Uh, and uh, whatever field we might be looking at, we always want to do a fabulous job. We always want to sustain and advance excellence at scale. No, I, I, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I just like that mindset in general of like recognizing the, uh, I mean, the greatness that Purdue has right now, but then also not fearing away from those challenges and continuing to push forward with the university. So you're right, Liam, you know, excellence at scale is never easy. Usually you have to give up on one in order to secure the other. Yeah. You know, growing bigger, growing better, or sustaining uh, the size versus growing better. Uh, pick one and give up on the other. Well, here at Purdue, we the Boilermakers choose to strive towards both at the same time. I'm very proud of that because we have well, great students like you. We appreciate it. Um, I mean, Meng, we really appreciate having you on. Um, it was really cool to hear everything you had to say. We know you're a busy man, so... Uh, we, uh, we appreciate having this quick episode and appreciate your time. So, uh, well, I'm so here to serve. Us. And, and uh, you know, there are very few uh, ways to serve that is uh, more enjoyable than to have the conversation with our students. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. We're very excited to have you as your president. Excited to see what's coming forth in the following years. And uh, for our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And we hope you really enjoyed our talk with the president. Um, feel free to check out the timestamps for the various topics we covered today. If you have any feedback, guest requests, comments, or other inquiries, please contact us at asme.podcast at gmo.com, or you can fill out the Google form link below. As always, we want to connect with our listeners on LinkedIn, so feel free to check out the, those links in the description below, and we'll hope you join us on the next episode. And Thank boiler you. up. Boiler up. That's right. <laughs>